Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whenever you're listening. This is the Fool's Folly Podcast. Well, hello, uh, and welcome back. That's <laughs> <laughs> a surprise intro. <laughs> <laughs> that really so, hello, surprise. and uh, welcome back to the Fool's Folly Podcast, your number one arts podcast. Why are we number one, Connor? Because we're the only one there. <laughs> Callback. Call um, we should have a name for this. You know, like we used to do. We used to do the roundup. Yeah. Um, and we've got our guest show, mm-hmm. and this is like this is the Fool's Folly podcast, but it's it's us. The Fool's Folly footnotes. Fool's Folly. Fool's Folly footnotes. The Fool's Folly footnotes. I don't know. I'm just unadulterated foolery. Oh, I like unadulterated foolery. That's quite nice. Fool's unleashed. Um. Yeah. Fool's right guess... back. The full strike back. Fool's revenge. Revenge of the fools. <laughs> fool's gold. Fool's gold. That's everything we do, isn't it, Darren? <laughs> Shiny on the outside, but you scrape away at that for a little bit. Load of old shit on the inside. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh. Uh, um, should we have another name for it? I, I guess that bears talking about. I don't know, I like the idea that it's just a continuation of the, the, the yeah. episodes and it goes on. Um... I was just trying to get a bit going, but that's... No, it was a good bit. It was a good bit. The bit was about as good as Fool's Gold. Like great spontaneous conversation on mic. Let's yeah. go back to that conversation we had before we started recording and recreate that. About, and recreate about that. musicals. <laughs> Organically recreate a conversation, a conversation we've already had. Yeah, because we thought that would be good content. <laughs> so what were we talking about? So <clears throat> Darren and I have been talking... Talking about musicals, um, particularly uh, if anyone has ever heard of the musical Six, which is all about the the, the sort of six wives of of Henry VIII. Uh, we started on that because the mic that we used to record is propped up on a book of the six wives of Henry VIII, <laughs> and that is where this entire sort of ten minute conversation we had before we started the podcast came from. So you were sort of saying about Hamilton. So when I well, so I my partner has seen Six mm-hmm. and thought it was really good, and I've heard that it's great. And I saw them perform an extract at the Olivier Awards because mm-hmm. it just popped up on my Facebook feed. And you know when you watch something and you go, that looks a bit naff. You didn't, you weren't keen. Well, I, I wasn't keen and also it felt at the time, and it might be completely wrong, which is what I hoped it wouldn't be is that people have gone, right, Hamilton's a thing. Yeah. What do people like about Hamilton? Well, they like history and they like rapping. So let's merge those two things Again, together, just in another because that will that will shift some tickets, and that's probably a very cynical, very cynical view. But I was I watched that mashup they did and go, oh, that didn't appeal to me. But their musicals don't tend to. No, I was about to, to say that same thing. You're you've never been particularly a no. musically person. Unpopular, un, uh, probably unpopular opinion. I find them very indulgent. Yeah, largely. I saw the Grinning Man. Last year? Sometime last year, wasn't that? I and I, I... Visually, it's beautiful. It was a beautiful show. They always tend to be the big musicals, don't yeah. they? They tend to always look amazing. look amazing. But I found that they would... It felt like they were singing for ten minutes to get across one idea that you probably could have done in two minutes and the plot hasn't advanced at all. And I, I by the end of it, I because of the way that story's told also... It felt like I was sitting. I felt like I sat through sixty minutes of kind of preamble before the story really got going. Yeah. Because we went backwards and then we caught to up go and forward, then to go yeah. forwards and you kind of go, oh, what have I sat? What am I? What? Through? Yeah. Where? And when then does the, the payoff, story start? Payoff wasn't 
satisfying enough yeah. to me in that show uh, in in that particular show and they still they had this and I looked at this purely from it when they did it when this thing happened there is a bit where they're talking about one character having s- the grinning man having his face sliced yeah by a a scythe yep like a like a grim reaper scythe anyway they're doing this and they have this huge one that swings across the stage like a fuck off huge one but it's only used mate one bit of the show for about two seconds <laughs> and you go there's probably like 10 grand's worth of <clears throat> of tech in there or, yeah I might be exaggerating yeah. but there's a few grand's worth of design work whatnot that's gone in for two seconds yeah. and I go at the time I was looking at going that one thing that two seconds probably costs the same amount of every show I've put together in any guys all added you know yeah. even all in the budgets one all moment, added up yeah. together probably still doesn't touch that <laughs> yeah in that in that actual first one so I was wrong as well so before the podcast you six definitely came out after Hamilton only by about a year and a bit though okay. about two years it made its professional debut uh, 27 uh, uh, 18th of December 2017 but it was at Edinburgh but hasn't Hamilton kind of been running for years and years, just on a lower, and then became a thing? Yeah, so it was, well, I don't know, I'll have a look. I think Hamilton... Or has he had the idea, for, or has he had the, the thing for ages and has been trying to... I think that might I think that might be the actual thing. So Lin-Manuel Miranda, but Lin-Manuel, uh, the difference being here is, oh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's brilliant. Well, the original Broadway recording was in 2015, original production cast. Mm. I, I haven't actually, you know, in, in, in full disclosure, have you seen it? Hamilton. Have I seen it? No, I would love to. No. I would love to see Have it. you listened to it? I've listened to bits, not all of it. But then I don't... I started to, but because obviously, like kind of with the, the what you were talking about with The Grinning Man, is that you lose a lot of the context in the songs because they they jump between, mm. you know, what's happening. And you kind of get an idea of the story. Yeah. Um, but obviously there are other, other bits in between. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things that I will eventually get around to listening to. But yeah. I, so with my music, I'm very indulgent about my own music tastes. Yeah. And I will. I've. I listened mostly the same music I've kind of listened to for ten years as like a comfort blanket. Yeah. yeah. So, so moving outside of music and trying to listen to anything else, be it a musical uh, recording, yeah. it's quite difficult for me. Mm. I find that quite tough to do. Yeah, I just didn't. Because and I've listened. I've listened to to some of it as well, and I. The thing is, when I listen to it, I have that dual thing of I know it's genius, but yeah. it's not clicking for me. But it's not my cup of tea. And it's yeah. not my it's not my thing. But I mean, all all fairness, if I was a if I was an artistic director of a theatre, I would definitely have make musicals a, a sizable part of the program because yeah. they they shift some money. And anyone who gives out to why why you know or wonders why do musicals dominate the West End, they shift tickets. They yeah, that's the, it, that, because it's that's what people, it, people want. want. That's what people want. That's what they want to see. It's going. Yeah, yeah, it. That's the harsh reality. Mm. In the end, yeah, drama doesn't sort of you know dominate those those shows, and, and they're still around. And well, they, it doesn't. You know, you well, also, ones, it's that thing of if you want to, I'm, I'm probably generalising too much, but in in London, dramas dramas will sell, but they dramas can sell, but if they've got a star in them, yeah, with some name recognition, that will really help shift some tickets. You know, like Andrew Andrew Scott doing the ha- uh, uh, Hamlet, yeah, and that sells out in seconds. In minutes, or yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch doing Hamlet, and the same and, thing. and it's largely because people are coming because people, I like yeah. them and I whatnot, and I like Sherlock as well, right? 
I mean, does it actually matter why they're going to the theatre? I don't. No, really. No, because, but we talk about this all the time, is anything that gets... Whatever you have to do to get people to put clothes on and leave their house to attend something, more power to you. And if yeah. that means putting a star in your, your lead role, then do that. Yeah. It's, it's why Pantos have, you know, uh, reality television stars or they children's entertainers. Because un- <laughs> I say unfortunately. Unfortunately is the wrong word. But they shift tickets. They shift tickets. And that's why they, they get principal cast. And it's because they shift... Well, they shift tickets as well. I mean, this is where it is slightly wrong. Where... So in a... Taking the Panto, for example, mm. you put a reality TV star who may never have done any acting before and you put them in a, in a lead role. Well, there's no... And the idea is that if I go and see them because they've either agreed to do it or I kind of know them, there is an assumption of quality. Which might not be the... Do you get what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I don't might mean, not be yeah. the case. So I love a panto. I think pantos are brilliant. And again, that thing of, if I'm an artistic director of a theatre, which is what I try and look through everything through. A lens, yeah. Would I, would I, you would act, the first thing you'd be like, I'm programming a panto. <coughs> a Christmas panto. A Christmas panto. Yeah, or a summer panto, yeah. You know, and if I can get someone big in it, because that sorts my Christmas out. It may even sort my year out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it may, it may, it may look after you. And you don't, you do those, like, I think in the same boat is you do those things that, that make money and will shift tickets to sustain something that you might be a bit more, uh, a little more niche or more fringe, mm. and that you can uh, you can then afford to program those things. Yeah. Historically, you go back to you go back to Shakespeare's players. You go back to the touring Commedia dell'arte troops. It was about going and finding audiences in places and and getting the most amount of people that they could to watch the thing. Yeah. Watch what they're doing. That was what you know. What it's that's what the on. art form started as. Yeah. It it didn't start as how can I send my message and, and and there's nothing wrong with those things. It's how can I make my my show or my yeah. play about a thing. I mean, it's definitely. I mean, you definitely got. I mean, the problem is not the problem. The evolution of things like television mm-hmm. and film is that there are now more mediums in which to tell stories. Yeah, and to do and to do those things which are more easily accessible. It's really the weird, isn't it? It's really yeah. weird, isn't it, that a film that can cost a hundred million pounds, but is can sometimes be more accessible to see than a, a theatre show that costs an absolute minute fraction of yeah. that to produce and whatnot, and that might cost more. It's such a weird dichotomy, right? And and if you're kind of stuck between what am I going to spend my money on? Again, that thing of an assumption of quality is the am I am I going to think the hundred million pound film? Is going to be of a better quality than the, the five maybe grand, the French show, show yeah. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it is interesting, but I, and it comes back to the thing I just said a second ago is like more and more now in this world, it is so difficult to convince people to leave their house and go and watch things. That's even down to just going to the cinema because of the yeah. advent of the streaming services, the Netflixes, the Hulu's of this world. But to go and see then a show that you might have to spend, you know, what you're looking at in the West End, 60 quid probably at a minimum. You might be able to get some yeah. things cheaper, but if you want to see one of the big sort of showstoppers, as it were, you're looking at at least 60 quid. Trying to get people, people to do that is is difficult. And it's how you do that and how you, not change people's minds, but how you make that appealing. Yeah, but but also, isn't it, isn't it weird that if I said to you, maybe not 60, but if I, so I would never not, I mean, round here, unless it was... Unless it was something really, really, really special, mm-hmm. I'm not parting with anything more than twenty five quid for a ticket. I think that might be my 
your cut personal off, limit. Cut off point. But if it's in the West End or if it's in London, and I know because I have, I'll, I might look at a 40 quid ticket and go, yeah. that's not bad. That's not too bad. Because it's that perception of it's in London and that's... Yeah. Isn't that like, weird, I, isn't it? It is it's... odd, yeah. But does it come down to a perception of quality as well, though? You know, like... It's absolutely, it's absolutely that. Yeah, it's it's I'll f- I'll part with my forty to sixty quid yeah. because the understanding the deal I'm making with you the showrunner or yeah. the the producer of the show is that I'm going to part with this money because you're going to give me a good show you're going to give me a good show and you're going to yeah. give me a good experience and if you can you know <coughs> so like um, the national theatre mm-hmm. they'll do their fifteen pound concession tickets yeah. Which is brilliant, and they will sometimes. What they actually do really, really well is not just make them the shit seats. Make them, right the, yeah, back. make They'll them be the dotted around or... and anything. So I got to, I saw the, I saw Exit the King, which had uh, Reese Ifans in it, uh, Adrian Scarborough. Um, oh, what's her? She played Oberyn Martell's wife or lover oh, in Game of Thrones. Yes, um... I never remember her name. I feel so bad, but she's in everything. Yeah, she's brilliant. Indira Varma. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she was in that. She was in that as well. So, um, but but all in all, for two of us, it's thirty quid. Uh, yeah, fifteen pound ticket, and we were really um, two rows back, front row. Yeah, basically really at the front in the stalls. Uh, I can't remember what, what my. Oh, what was my point? We were talking about money and the deal you make in it, you know, cost value is a perception that you yeah. have in, in London. And but for, for for that amount of money, for that <clears> amount of money, <throat> and I got to see shows with, with some real, star, with some stars in. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is the joy of... The National. Well, it's the joy of the National, but also um, that is that is partly why public subsidy and, and sponsorship is... It's so important. Big, for those big yeah. London theatres, is so important because it allows them to do things like that. Because suddenly that show's not that might not, not be accessible. No, it's not getting made or it's, you know, it's getting made, but your tickets are, it suddenly comes back to that, you know, 40 to 60 pound plus. Well, I didn't realise, I didn't realise until I, um, I was watching uh, an interview with Nicholas Heitner, mm. who was the artistic director of the National before Rufus Norris, who mm. is now. And he was the one who introduced the, um, the 10 pound uh, tickets. The 10 pound, yeah. the 10 pound tickets. I can't remember who the sponsor was sponsor is or was at the time anyway but he introduced that scheme and he he was saying like it was a really simple equation of if it's less to come more people will come yeah because it's financially accessible for mm-hmm. them to 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 come to the theater and if you find i suppose that that argument only works if you're not selling out every night at 40 quid though <laughs> you know if you're yeah. selling out at 40 quid every night you're not reducing it to a tenner it's a it's a smart business decision well that but that's the and that's the that's the that's partly the dichotomy of why it's that problem and that methodology of working that has meant theatre has become or is perceived to be a middle class pursuit. Yeah, past Because yeah. it start, you know, <clears throat> if you go back to the, and I've done this history lecture before to you privately, but you go back to the Victorian times and it's the Victorians who realise, because up until the Victorian time, theatre is still predominantly a working class mm-hmm. uh, pastime. And it was a, a, a load of the um, theatre managers in in London, and particularly, I want to say, Marie Bancroft, double check that, I will double check her name in a, in a second, but I'm sure it's Marie and Squire Bancroft, who were the pioneers of going, 
if we could appeal to middle class England, middle class families, we will make more money. Because we can we, charge we more. We can charge more, we'll make it a respectable pastime. They're the ones actually with the money and we keep everyone going. So they take out the, the pit seating, mm-hmm. they put in plush new seats, they, and they do a number of things that basically mean that really attracts, and they start putting on work that attracts to the middle, middle classes and they make it a respectable pastime for those types of people to come. They make more money, but the backlash has been over the next sort of hundred or so years is that you have lots of people who traditionally, the further back you go, theatre would have been aimed and for those people. Mm-hmm. And now they feel like it isn't because it's been been multiple generations. Yeah. And it's been ingrained in for a, such a yeah. long time now. That, it's like opera. Yeah. Have you ever been to an opera? No, I've never been to an opera. No. An opera feels particularly sort of aristocratic, though, doesn't it? It feel, it feels very upper echelon, and yeah. it may not be, you know. But and there are some great, op- you know. There's an amazing Faust opera that I'm sure actually we would probably quite enjoy because I like the story of Faust. Yeah, um, but it is seen as that's not even seen as a middle class. That's seen as an upper upper class, class aristocratic kind of thing, pursuit, yeah. right? Feels very. Does it feel unattainable? Does it feel like you... I think that's the thing. I, I think if I went to an opera, I'd feel like I didn't belong. Yeah. And that's... When it's about live performance and it's about community, if you feel like you don't belong, why, why the fuck are we there? Yeah, why are we there? What are we doing it for? It's what I love about the globe. Yeah. The thing about the globe, the globe, the experience of just going to the globe, of being in the... And when I... You know, when we've gone to the, the globe... We've been... Have you been on your own, as it... As no. It, so we've only ever been and stood. Yeah. And I, every time, I, you know, I'll, I'll always stand. Um, that feeling of being in and amongst people and that collective. That shoulder to shoulder. Shoulder to shoulder collective and that yeah. energy and that we're all together and we're watching. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty spectacular. That's the thing. But if you've, if you've, if you're all together and you feel like, well, I don't belong with these people. Yeah, if you're rubbing shoulders with these people. Yeah, very, very. And I wonder, and, and maybe you never will. But I, do you see that changing ever, do you think? Do you see the uh, that shift coming around? I think it's got to. I think so. To, to, well, I think to have for, live theatre and the, live entertainment for, to continue to f- be a thing. You know, fringe, fringe companies um, need to do Like that. Falls Folly yeah. Theatre. But, but, but <laughs> that's what they'll need to do. You know, everyone who makes theatre, one of their aims has to be developing... New audiences. It's, now, one, it's, it's one of our. It's one of our. It's one, it's of, one our of our main goals. Now, I fully accept that there are people who you will never convince to go to the theatre, and that's fine. But I think the biggest group are that there are people who you could convince who might go. We talk about all go. the time. That might I think not go all the time, but you could get them to go. I think. I think the biggest. I think there are three groups of people. I think there are people who you will have their money regardless. Yeah. They are just theatre advocates yeah. and they're you know they're champions of the art yeah. you have people who will never ever go but I think the largest majority is those people you say it's the people who might go might go and they're up in they're, you know they're, they're no strong leaning towards either way well I I, I, was, well, I was talking people. to I was talking to my um, step mum mm-hmm. who she she was saying that it's been a bit of a revelation going to shows because she's going to shows and because she's been there because it's something I've done and, she, and my dad's gone 
and she said before that I never really never really go to the theatre. Yeah. It's never been in my it never been in my world and I'm I'm always worried that I think she said I'm always worried that I'll feel like it's not for me or I'll feel mm. I'll feel stupid or I'll feel bored or or all those things. And and I th- I think that's like most people. My dad my dad is not one of the people who will never go. My dad is very much in that group. Yeah, the people who might of, go. Of you could convince. And he often, he'll just go, I don't know why I don't look at what's on at the theatre yeah. more. Because when I go, I really enjoy it. And those people, I don't think, would need much prodding. No. I think they're pretty much there or thereabouts already. Yeah. But I think there is a thing. And and I wonder if this is... Something you said a minute ago, you're, you're something, the idea of feeling stupid. And so I think there is an idea of sometimes if you go and see something and you don't get it, then mm. immediately that you're actually not smart. You're not smart enough to get that. And I think that's really trouble. Actually, most of the times, those exper- that's that's a bad show. I I would I would think so. If theatre makes you feel stupid, if theatre makes you feel stupid, I, I think that's a bad show. Okay. I I think that hasn't portrayed it its message properly. No. And I think the people, not all the time, but I think a majority of the people who are who are an advocate for it and do love it because they get it, I think are probably lying to themselves yeah. because they think they should get it because they're they're the people in that first camp. They'll always go. So do you think there's a? It's almost becomes a status. Yeah, I think appreciation it is. of our I get it and you. I get it. Genuinely, one of the things I, I do find is that you can do you can do anything. You can present anything to me, and you can want to challenge anything, but. First and foremost, I genuinely think it's got to be fun. It's got to be. It's got. You know, I've got to have had a good time. Art as an entertainment product is. I think that was what it needs to be. It needs to be entertaining. Because um, again, if you go back to, I always use the the, the Shakespeare thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because Shakespeare has moved away and become kind of a literary figure. Yeah. I don't know why I did the weird bunny ears. I don't you know why I did that either. Because you can't see that on, on the podcast. <laughs> but uh, he like also in, is a literary in, figure. In, 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 you know, he's a... Uh, no, but like... In oh, I We'll sit and go and analyse the text and whatnot. And what it's mean, absolutely beautiful to do and that's grand. But he's a, he was a playwright. Mm-hmm. He wrote plays to be performed and he wrote plays to be performed to the biggest amount of people that he could draw to the theatre because he had to get money in to keep the theatre going. Because yep. there wasn't an arts council. You got your money to create theatre from... You might get royal patronage or a, a patronage from a wealthy individual who wanted to give money to companies to perform and to produce work maybe for them specifically. So that might that's the closest you get to public subsidy. To a subsidy, yeah. But then it's through getting people in and giving their penny over or, you know, whatever it, it, it would be into the into the theatre you know and that's what that's why you know originally you'd have the globe and then there's like a bear baiting pit next to it yeah and all these forms <laughs> of entertainment are, are competing with each other so Shakespeare is going you know the idea of Shakespeare going I'm going to write a play and it's all going to be about grief and whatnot Shakespeare you know, the Tempest opens with a shipwreck why is it open with a shipwreck because what the fuck's going to happen Cause, yeah, next because it's it's exciting oh. it's, it, it's, and it's Hamlet big, starts with a it? ghost <laughs> yeah it's What's gonna? What is gonna? Macbeth starts with three witches going, basically saying, "You're gonna do this, and you're gonna do this, and putting this kind of almost sowing these seeds." And where that's at, they're going. Oh, Richard the Third starts with the main character coming out and going, "I'm gonna fuck everyone over." Yeah. Well, what is he gonna do next? Yeah. 
it's it's drawing those people in and making them interested. And yeah, it's it, it's it does all. The, and it, the thing with Shakespeare is it does do all the things that we can liter- we can literally pick it apart, and it absolutely does all those things. And that is why it's genius. That's why you know whether you agree that it was one man sat and writing or whatever, but those works are are works of absolute genius, and they will stand the test of time. But Categorically, the reason why they keep being done and the reason why they remain to be a draw is that they're good stories. Yep. They're good stories that are really entertaining, which is why you, you can keep telling them again and again and again and again and again, and they will still find their audience and they'll still find they'll still have their place in a big national stage, more so than any of the playwrights yep. of this period. Oh. Yeah. We interrupt this broadcast of the Falls Folly podcast to see, play our, our new game. <laughs> so, is it still recording? I think so, yeah. Alright, oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> I, had to, I had to get away from the microphone. So, we had to interrupt this really interesting <laughs> arts podcast because apparently this house might have been overcharged for energy. Well, that's right. And do you know what? Well, you know what I just did? I stood there... And listened for about... Because I was too polite to mm. straight away... Firstly, I thought they were going to be Jehovah's Witnesses. And I thought... Uh, and I don't like being rude to... I try not to be rude to people that I don't know anyway. But you have Which to is be weird because I've been rude know. to people I know. Um, <laughs> but they started talking about energy. And I let them go for about a minute before I realised there's nothing I can do. Because I don't... <laughs> well, I don't own this house. And I'm just kind of looking after it for a little bit. And sort of keeping an eye on it today, and I, so I had to go. I'm really sorry. Like a good patter, lads. Yeah, you nice know, one. You've, nice one, gang. You've turned up in your suit. Yeah, well and done. You, and you, you're looking. You know, you're looking good. You're being professional. There's three of you, which I feel is overkill. There's three of them. Three of them. Oh, I only saw two over, yeah. over your shoulder. Yeah, there's one. There's one behind. Ah, like the enforcer. <laughs> <you know. laughs> um, yeah, that was odd. Yeah, very strange. Yeah, and so I've got to, I've got to tell my nan that she might have been overcharged for her energy. Okay. I mean, I don't think there's much gas or electricity in here most days no. anyway because people don't, you know. So anyone who's listening, um, we'll put a timestamp into this bit. Check your energy. Check, check your you energy. Might be. Yeah. You know. Maybe we can get a sponsorship deal through, from that company. We should have asked them. Oh. Go chase them now down the road. We'll see if we can get a sponsorship deal. <laughs> We'll say, guys, we've got this really successful arts podcast. No. <laughs> uh, we just wondered if you wanted to sponsor us, you know, for a couple of quid. Yeah. Oh, right. I think we should probably time for closing statements, isn't it? Yes. Um, vote Liberal Democrat. Vote Lib Dem. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, thank you very much for tuning in to... <laughs> thank you very much for tuning in to this episode of the Fools Folly podcast. As always, we have been your fools. Darren Hill. Connor Maud. Uh, and follow us on the Instagrams, follow us on the Twitters. Uh, tw- Instagram is fools underscore folly. Twitters at we are your fools. So please send us an email. Send us an email uh, uh, at fool, fools theatre at gmail dot com. Yep. T- say what you liked. Questions, queries, concerns, <laughs> letters of support. Um, concerns. <laughs> I'm concerned about your. I'm concerned, I'm concerned about, about the podcast. podcast. Uh, no, seriously. Though. Thank you very much for listening, everyone, uh, and we will see you soon. And please do check that you've not been overcharged for your energy. Oh yeah, please do check you've not been overcharged for your energy. Make sure, yeah. Bye, friends. Bye.
Bye.